Oral questions by members? Member for West Vancouver, Capilano. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, despite the largest inflationary deficit in BC's history, this NDP government has utterly failed to deliver on uh, their signature election promise of universal $10 a day childcare. Access is getting worse, not better. Over 10,000 fewer children are in childcare, with parents often facing a three year nightmare wait list. Under this unfair, mismanaged and unaffordable system. While one family wins the child care lottery, nine others have to pay costs akin to a mortgage. Never has government spent more to achieve less. As debt skyrocket and the cost of living crisis gets worse, how does the Premier explain his utter failure to deliver the $10 a day child care that families were promised seven years ago? Minister of Finance. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. And I stand with great pride to speak about the $10 a day program. I stand with great pride to speak about the childcare and what we have done in this province because the members on that side of the House, they cancelled the childcare program in the early 2000s. to act on childcare costs, unlike this government on this side of the members, House. My goodness, Mr. Speaker. Members, families... members, one at a time, please. Minister. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Over 120,000 families are seeing savings of up to $900 per month, and that's a game-changer for families. Thousands, thousands of parents are paying $10 a day for childcare. We've funded more than 34,000 new licensed care spaces, with more to come. I mean, it is, un it is unbelievable that they don't acknowledge the incredible work that has done. It's a 10-year program, and we started it in 2018, and, and they laugh. They laugh at the thousands. Members, 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 members will come to order. Minister. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I think they doth to protest too much, but you know, the real, it's making a real difference for families in this province, and we are going to continue to support them. We're going to just continue to support by not only building childcare facilities, by training early childhood educators, because we need those professionals to do the work, and there has been no support since before when they were in government for early childhood educators. I lived it. I know what it was like. So we, we are supporting with wages. We are supporting with training. We are going to make sure that we continue to provide affordable, quality childcare for people in this province. Member for West Vancouver, Capilano Supplemental. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, that answer was just embarrassing. That was just embarrassing and insulting to British Columbians. The numbers don't lie here. Well, thank God we have federal funding for this program, but it was this NDP's signature election promise, not once but twice. Despite the largest inflationary budget in British Columbians' history, here, here's a number for you. Less than 10% of childcare spaces promised are $10 a day. Less than 10%. 
And MLAs here, everyone in this House, is inundated with horror stories from families shuffled between wait lists, paying crushing fees and soaring costs. Even the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives says it's a broken promise, a shocking 64% of children live in childcare deserts in British Columbia. As childcare deserts spread across BC, how much longer must families wait for this NDP government to keep its seven-year-old promise of universal $10 a day childcare? Minister of Finance. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. You know, BC is actually a leader on childcare. We brought the federal government to the table. <laughs> Since members, members, it's not a good idea to interrupt others. Please, let's listen to other side. Minister will continue. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Since 2018, more than double the amount of money invested in childcare in this province is from BC. So let's give some figures to the members opposite. They seem to forget this. BC has invested $5.8 billion. The federal, the federal government, Mr. Speaker, has invested $2.7 billion, which we welcome. We, gra- like we welcome that money because we need it. We have also put over $2 billion back into the pockets of parents in this province. <laughs> Mr. Speaker, we know. Members, please, please continue. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. We know that there's more work to do, and we are doing it. We know that we need to create more spaces. We know we need to make sure that we have more early childhood educators in this province. And we are continuing to do that work because we know how important it is for people to get that affordable childcare. We only have to look at the single mom who was telling me she has finally gotten, she's gotten childcare. She is saving $2,100 a month on childcare. And they brush her off like she doesn't matter. Who cares about that individual? But, Mr. Speaker, she has got a good job. Her kids are in good quality childcare, affordable childcare. She is finally being able to make sure that she can put money aside so her kids are going to get a post-secondary education. And I hear hundreds and hundreds, thousands of those stories, as do most people throughout this House, on how beneficial affordable childcare is for mums and dads in this province. Opposition House Leader. (laughs) Well, Mr. Speaker, this government, in not one but in two elections, promised universal $10 a day childcare for British Columbians. We're seven years in, and no amount of spin from the the minister opposite will will overshadow the fact that they're miserably implementing that $10 a day childcare for all parents who need need it. It's a total failure. The reality is that the NDP continue to pick winners and losers. If you're lucky to get one of the 10% of childcare spaces at the promised $10 per day rate, 
you've literally won the lottery, and we're all happy for those parents. But sadly, if you end up on the other end uh, of that e equation, one of the 90% of spaces that's not subsidized at the $10 rate, those parents are often paying $1,200 a month, $1,300 a month, some as high as $2,000 per month. And while the NDP are racking up the largest inflationary deficits this province has ever seen, they can't seem to figure how to push childcare funding out the door. Citing, uh, quote, uh, diverse implementation challenges, end quote, just seven days ago, seven days ago on February 20th, the NDP amended their childcare agreement with Ottawa for the third time. This is to allow them to push unspent dollars from one fiscal year into another year. I have the order in council right here again from one week ago. This is all the while thousands of British Columbia families continue to struggle with uh, accessing affordable uh, childcare. So my question to the Premier is this. Can the Premier just give British Columbia families a, a clear answer about when his government will actually fulfill their seven-year-old promise to deliver on $10 a day childcare universal in every community across this province? Minister of Finance. Mr. Speaker, it actually does my heart good to hear that member say those words, universal, accessible childcare. Out of a someone who in their party was in government, they slashed childcare budgets. You know, imagine where parents would be today if they had carried on with the childcare, because we know what their attitude is towards childcare. We know, darn, we know what they, where they cut. I mean, we have made a commitment to affordable childcare in this province, and we are going to follow through on that commitment, because we already are. Thousands of families, thousands of parents are getting affordable, accessible childcare in this province. And we know that not everybody's, we, we know not everybody's getting $10 a day, but we know thousands, thousands of parents are getting less than $10 a day, less than $10 a day. take any advice from people who never cared about childcare. Childcare was not mentioned in this House until we formed government. Members, 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 let's be polite and nice to each other. When the question is asked, let's hear the answer. When the answer is provided, let's listen to the answer. Okay, thank you very much. Member, supplemental? Well, thank you very much, uh, Mr. Speaker. And clearly, we have struck a nerve here. Nine out of ten British Columbians do not have access to affordable $10 a day childcare that was promised by the NDP in two successive elections. That is a fact. And again, under the NDP, this is how it works. If you happen to live on one side of the street, you might be fortunate uh, to actually uh, access $10 a day childcare. If you're a neighbor of that person, you live on the other side of the street, you are out of luck, as 9 out of 10 other parents are, because they can't access affordable $10 a day childcare. The federal government's latest uh, childcare report on progress reveals more than just 
implementation challenges. It also highlights a series of other critical failures in the NDP's uh, implementation of childcare here in British Columbia. On page 15, it shows that of the $105 million earmarked for $10 a day childcare, this is money from the federal government, a shocking three quarters of the funding, or $78 million, was unspent in 2022-2023. If I turn to page 16, it reads, and I quote, the number of spaces offered by family providers for children five and under has decreased. Decreased, Mr. Speaker. The NDP's failure to deliver on $10 a day childcare has also led to a reduction in home-based care that communities and families rely upon. So again, with families struggling, how much longer must British Columbians wait for the NDP to deliver the universal $10 a day childcare that they promised parents across this province in the last two elections for the last seven years? Premier. You know, every parent and, and members will remember how childcare became a hot issue in the election, right? There was a child in British Columbia in an unlicensed care space named Baby Mac who died in that care. And it was a substandard space. The caregiver was negligent. And how did we end up in a place where the province had inadequate, unsafe childcare, unregulated childcare. Well, it's pretty straightforward. When the BCUP leader was in cabinet, they canceled the BCNDP's plan for universal $14 a day childcare in 2002. 10,500 families saw their childcare subsidies cut or outright eliminated. In 2005, the Coalition of Childcare Advocates of BC said, quote, the provincial government, the the provincial government has done more damage to childcare in BC than ever thought possible. And honorable speaker, if they get back on this side of the house, they're going to do it to families again. 120,000 families with savings of $900 or more. Members. In 7 years we've tripled the number of spaces that they ever created in 16 years. We're going to keep doing that work for families. And we will not let them come back on this house and drag families back to the dark ages of childcare ever again. Members, House Leader of Third Party. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. The BC NDP will, quote, bring local governments, Indigenous partners, the nonprofit sector, and developers together for innovative partnerships that create homes for people throughout British, uh, throughout British Columbia that can afford. They will, quote, build affordable homes for middle-income people is key to tackling the housing crisis, and we have to work together to get it done, end quote. These are the talking points for the BC Build program, right? Wrong. They're from the 2018 Housing Hub announcement. The Premier's highly anticipated flagship housing program is a rebranded version of a program that was brought in by a former minister that has delivered 3,823 units with 2,331 more units under construction in six years. It's a far cry from the hundreds of thousands of units that the reports say that we need. 
At least the housing hub targeted household incomes, uh, average incomes as low as $50,000. Mr. Speaker, to the Minister of Housing, how can British Columbians have any confidence that BC Builds will be more successful than the abandoned program that they recycled it from called the housing hub? Minister of Housing. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Thank you. Thanks to the member for the question. I am so proud of BC Builds program, not only because this will build uh, affordable housing for middle-income earners in British Columbia, where governments for decades decided that that's not what they wanted to do. Not only am I proud that this will partner with local governments, we're already seeing partnerships with First Nations, to use public lands, public financing to build more affordable housing. But not only that, we're also going to keep it in not-for-profit hands. We're going to keep it in government hands, Honourable Speaker. That is the type of innovative solutions that we need to address the housing crisis. Now, I appreciate my friends from the, from the Greens. Uh, you know, I, uh, I looked at a, a, a Greens platform, and it said we need small-scale multi-unit housing. We need transit-oriented development. We need more supply on the market. And I was pleased to see that. What I wasn't pleased to see, that it was actually the Ontario Greens that had that plan, and it wasn't the BC Greens. Honourable Speaker, if we want to address this housing crisis, I think it's important that the BC Greens step up and address the challenges, partner with us to find solutions, and not side with the BCU party and the BC Conservatives. House Leader, third party supplemental. <laughs> Member? Um, so actually what I'm talking about is the minister's own program uh, masquerading uh, this new program that's masquerading basically it's just the old program. The old program that was unsuccessful in delivering the tens of thousands of units that they promised. Basically taking the exact same language from a news release that was put out in 2018 rewriting it, moving words around a little bit, and then pretending to British Columbians that it's some kind of brand new program. Up to 20% of the BC Builds units are below market rents. The remaining 80% are geared to incomes of middle class households, those earning between eighty-five dollars to $191,000 a year, Mr. Speaker. That works out to rents between $2,550 to $5,730 a month. I invite British Columbians to let me know if they believe that that's affordable housing. I agree we need to support middle-income households. Yet hundreds of thousands of British Columbians are insecurely housed. They pay more than 50% of their income on rent. They're terrified about being evicted. And guess what? British, Columbian has, British Columbia has the highest rates of evictions in this country. To top it off, now those $50,000 a year households have to subsidize houses, household incomes of $191,000 a year. Mr. Speaker, my question again is to the Minister of Housing. Does he think it's okay for households making $50,000 a year to subsidize housing for those households making $191,000 a year? Minister of Housing. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. And, uh, you know, I think it's important to note that the BC Bills program uh, and the concept of the... Uh, province and the federal government getting into building housing for middle-income uh, families is so popular now that not only has the federal government decided to invest $2 billion in finances 
for the program, but other provinces across the country are calling us, asking us how they can adopt similar programs across the country. So the member can uh, maybe disagree with that initiative, maybe can disagree with every initiative that we bring forward. But this is a housing crisis and we need real solutions. We need real solutions. Honourable Speaker, not only is this program helping address middle-income families, we are also investing historic levels of dollars in building affordable housing for people under 85000 We are making historic investments, Honourable Speaker, billions of dollars investment. In fact, uh, the member will know that just here in the capital region, we have 7,000 7,000 units that we are funding for people earning less than $85,000 a year, Honourable Speaker. So it's important to make the investments in affordable housing for all income earners because we need to address this housing crisis. We're proud of the work we're doing. We're leading the country in this work, and we're going to continue to do that work going forward. Leader of the Fourth Party. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. The amount of money being spent by this NDP government has increased by 70 per cent since 2017. And that also includes a debt load now that has increased in this current budget of $11,000 per person or $44,000 per household of four. Under this NDP government, we are all paying more. Yet somehow, child poverty still goes up. According to First Call and Youth Advocacy Society, one in seven children now lives in poverty. The child poverty rate in 67 First Nation Reserves examined in the study is 31%. For British Columbian kids living in a single-family, single-parent household, the poverty rate is 40.4%. So the question, Mr. Mr. Speaker, to the Premier is this. If the NDP can't successfully fight child poverty with its massive tax increases and massive spending, where is the people's money going? Minister of Finance. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker, and, and I thank the member for the question. And, and, and I want to acknowledge First Call and the work they've done over the years with, with the um, child poverty and, and appreciate that the, the stats are from 2021, and we've worked really hard to bring up affordability issues since 2021 because it, it, uh, we, child poverty is, is just something that no government wants to, to deal with, and that's why we've brought in numerous affordability measures. One of the, the biggest things that uh, people talk about is, uh, is housing, and we've brought in significant housing programs to help people with that for affordability issues. We brought in the, the uh, meals program into schools to help kids that you know get a good meal and, and get a good start. Uh, affordability issues that can, the schools can reach out to parents to help them if they need some help. You know things like the BC, fa or BC um, family benefit that uh, this year we have increased it with a bonus. Um, families are telling us that that money that they get you know is just has been incredibly helpful for them. They, you know, one mom says, I can start to buy fresh fruits and vegetables for my kids because that's what's really needed. So we recognize that we need, we need to do more. We need to do more for affordability. We need to do more to deal with child poverty. And that's exactly what we're doing, Mr. Speaker. Leader of the Fourth Party Supplemental. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. And well, the numbers, of course, would disagree with what the minister has just said. But it's interesting, Mr. Speaker, that under the NDP in the 1990s, child poverty rates went up an astonishing 43%. And this despite the fact that the NDP claimed to be the party of the working people. And today, just like in the 1990s, the NDP government's priorities seem to be elsewhere. The people's money goes to consultants, lawyers, and creating more government jobs. 
This government has almost doubled the size of the public sector since 2017. So a question once again to the Premier. How many more of British Columbia's children are facing poverty? How many more people will be taxed into poverty? And when will this government actually take child poverty seriously and address this issue? Minister of Finance. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. We take it incredibly seriously. <coughs> you know, the report refers to it. It actually recommends supporting youth and care transition uh, to adulthood, and we are doing that. We are doing that to help those kids to ensure that they have a, a transition to adulthood, but they get the supports they need. I mean, those kids in care, they're government's children. Like, we are responsible for them, and we have to make sure that they get the proper supports they need. So we are doing that by ensuring that, you know, they can get a, a free, affordable post-secondary education and you know, talking to the, the people that the young people that are, are doing that, that are going to school, that they have that opportunity. Because most parents, you know, try to save money for their kids' post-secondary education. As government, that's our responsibility. So that's one thing that we are doing to ensure that we can transition people out of poverty and into a, a good job and get a, an education. We've also, I mean, the, the members should know. I mean, when you're today, um, a parent earning, someone earning thirty thousand dollars. Uh, used to pay $177 in taxes. Today, they now get $2,420 back in their pockets. Um, somebody that earns $60,000 with two kids. These are families with two kids, so we're talking about kids in poverty. $60,000, they used to pay $4,238 in taxes. They now pay $98. That's a 98% net reduction. Minister Speaker, we know we can do more, and we will continue to do that. Member for Prince George Wilmount. Very much. Yesterday, the finance minister had the audacity to stand up and try to defend her record inflationary deficits by talking about cuts. Well, let's talk about a cut that's happening right now. That literally means that people in our province are at risk of losing their vision. Christina Watts, facing the very real threat of losing her sight, expresses the deep despair that people are feeling, and I quote, it was extra disheartening to watch the budget announcement with every, where everyone will get the health care they need and sitting here with this notice in my lap about the treatment program that I need being cancelled, end quote. As we speak, there are thousands of British Columbians that are terrified that they will lose an essential health care service that could jeopardize their vision. So will the Premier get up today and ensure that the program that is underway today will continue uninterrupted and that the decision that is causing such anxiety will be reversed? Minister of Health. Uh, thank you very much, Honourable Speaker. And uh, the Honourable Member knows, because uh, she's a former Minister of Health, that our health care system is organized and co-managed in many respects with doctors. The changes in the discussion that she's talking about was initiated by the doctors of BC. Her criticism for the doctors of BC, if, if she has criticism, and the ophthalmo ophthalmological division of the doctors of BC. We will continue to support people getting needed retinal services in BC, full stop. Member Supplemental. Well, what I can assure this minister of is that when people are thinking they are at risk of losing their vision, it is time for the government to stand up, step up, and say that will not happen on our watch. So again to the Premier, 
The, the Provincial Health Services Authority, their budget has ballooned by $1.1 billion, an increase of 540%. And yet people who have a particular treatment have been told that those services will end. Will the Premier get up today and ensure that the services and treatment continue as they are today? Minister of Health. Uh, those services will not end. I said it clearly in the answer to the first question. I say it now. Honourable Speaker, we have unprecedented investments in our health care system, and they are showing success. Honourable Speaker, they are showing success. The members, can, uh, the members have had nothing to say about this. The comments of the President of the Doctors of BC, Dr. Amr Karamudin, Honourable Speaker, who, who says, Honourable Speaker, uh, that hundreds of thousands of people now have access to a family doctor that didn't. Do they support that? Do they support the LFP model, Honourable Speaker? That's change, that's action, that's progress. Do they support, Honourable Speaker, free contraception? Do they support, Honourable Speaker, the extension of the scope of practice of pharmacists, Honourable Speaker? Do they support primary care networks, Honourable Speaker? The former Minister of Health promised 159 of them. 159 of them, he delivered zero. I'm referring to the Leader of the Opposition. We have 77. I answered specifically the question of the Honourable Member. She knows. She knows. Uh, uh, Honourable Speaker, uh, Honourable Speaker, the Member asked the question. We've answered the question, Honourable Speaker. Well, uh, Honourable Speaker, as clearly and emphatically as we can, but they need to answer if they support what we're doing in primary care, if they support the expansion of care to people in our society, if they expose, support the reduction in surgical wait lists, do they support them or do they not? Member for Surrey South. Honourable Speaker. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Despite multiple promises to the community, the NDP's latest budget has left our school district in shambles and our health care in crisis. Surrey Mayor Brenda Locke says the NDP budget has no good news for Surrey. And I quote, it sure isn't going to alleviate any of the problems we have right now with health care, end quote. With no new schools, hospitals, or transit for Surrey in this budget, it's clear that the Premier nor his Surrey MLAs are delivering for Surrey. So I ask through you, Honourable Speaker, to the Premier, how can he table the largest deficit in BC history, $8 billion, and have nothing new for Surrey? Minister of Housing. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Well, the member knows we're making record investments in health care in Surrey, brand new hospital, transit expansion. We're investing in new schools. Honourable Speaker, just recently the Leader of Opposition was in Surrey, uh, and he did a big speech there, uh, and he said he promised action for Surrey. Now, the problem with that is people still remember the actions he took when he was there before. They still remember the tolls on the bridges. They still remember when he rejected the second medical school. They still remember when he sold lands that were available for schools and hospitals that are no longer there for us to have buildings invested in. Member. So, just with all due respect, I think the people of Surrey don't want to see that type of action anymore. The bell ends the question period.